Okay, so Mr. Shem will try to get some consistency now to the holidays are behind us. So anyway, so I think the last time we were we spoke, we learned uh, the Kamarna, so we went, I mean, we, me, I went on a little bit of a tangent, so um, I figured once I did that, so we'll, we'll try to be Mazur a little bit more. Again, the context was we, we saw from the Kamarna is that by, um, again, even though the normal Mahalach is the Derech the middle path, uh, to be involved in Gashmi is enough to live, to be happy, to be normal. And then whatever is moist, whatever is unnecessary, you stay out of. That's the Derech HaMemutza. mentioned to us that the way of Big Sadikim sometimes, though, is to put themselves into Gashmi more than the Derech And so we saw, again, in the Akdama, the way he was explaining it, is that that's a way of, of silencing Kitrugan, right? Because the, the tzaddik is on the radar of the Sitra Achara. So in Nela, the tzaddik has to sort of go undercover sometimes and pretend to be a, a, a Pashida person, someone that's not a big tzaddik, in order that the Sitra Achara shouldn't be Makatrik. And you know, we, we, you know that's, that's one example of this. We find this many, many times as well. The big tzaddikim, it's not so, uh, you know, I, I guess we wouldn't know if, it's, if it happens anymore, but. But uh, big tzaddikim, they would go into Gaulus, right? They would prop Gaulus with such a thing. And one of the, there's a number of reasons why they would do it, but one of the reasons was in order to be under the radar of the Sitra Achra, whatever reason. And then at some point they felt that it was Kedai to uh, come out of that disguise. But there's such an Indian of, of hiding, of hiding one's Madragas, of hiding one's, uh, one's, uh, one's Sitkas. There is an Indian like that. We also saw on the bottom over here that he quoted from other places by the Kamarna that another part of this avayda of, of, of being undercover, of going into <coughs> Gashmias in a way that it would seem to be unbecoming for a tzaddik, is that there is a certain, even though the tzaddik is a tzaddik, Lamais is a human being, which means that the dveikas, the hava, the yersa shem that the tzaddik feels is Lamaisa being held back because, he's, because his body, his nefesh of Bahamas, is not, is not uh, experiencing that dveikas and that hava as well, because the inyanim that he's doing in order to have Dvekas and Ahavas Hashem, Aruchni is the inyanim. But the Maisa, there's a part of him that's, that's Gashmi. So that part of him that's Gashmi, you know, is, is holding back him from being able to really embrace the experience of Avadis Hashem. And like we said, the, the way what a person is is not like half Neshama, half Guf. It's completely inter included within each other. So if the Guf is not involved in the Dvekas and the Ahava, that means to a certain degree the Neshama is not either. And the Tzaddik wants his whole. But his whole essence to be Davuk Hashem. In order for that to happen, therefore, what the tzaddik therefore does is put himself into Gashmias, but with the meichen of a tzaddik, and therefore he's able to halk up, you know, to be in Gashmias, but to realize that ultimately everything comes from Milakus, and there's in Kedusha, there's God's presence behind all things. And so even though the Sitrachar just sees Chitzonius, which is a Jew that's uh, you know eating too much and that's in, that's uh, enjoying the, the physical world so much. So the male of the Sidrachah says oh, that guy I'm not I'm not worried about him. Meanwhile, what the tzaddik is doing is have enjoying this world. But he's having kavana that really what he's enjoying is is the elokus that's behind it. So whenever he eats something, of course he enjoys it. Of course it's pleasure. Avada it is. But he's conscious of the fact that the source of all pleasure is really the neshama experiencing elokus. And so that means that he's doing something that the body can appreciate, but it's being, it's being uh, uh, driven and it's being guided by the neshama. And so now already you have an experience where the body and soul could be on the same page. And that dveikas and the hava that can come from being involved in even in Yonah Gashmim is a certain degree higher than what 
than, than, than an experience of Ahav and Vekas. That's just Ruchni by itself. This is part of what, you know, everyone knows the Zara Kaddish and Tukuni Zara, that Yom Kippur is Yom Kippur, right? That Purim is greater than Yom Kippur. How is that? So one of the reasons is because as follows, Yom Kippur is Kuli Ruchni, which is Gavaldik. But we're, but we're not Kuli Ruchni, right? So that means that there's a part of us that's not, that's not uh, participating. And if there's a part of us that's not participating in that, in that experience of Yom Kippur, that means that even our Neshama is not fully participating. Because there's a part of our Neshama that's integrated in the Guf. But when it comes to Purim, which is the day that the body is very much involved in, but on Afopikin, it's L'Shem Shemaim, and it's with Avodis Hashem, and so on, then, then Adarab, then even, even the, the Neshama of a person has a greater experience in that than just Yom Kippur. Right? So, that's, uh, so in a certain sense, Avodah Begashmi, so a person is able to, to be involved in the world and, and have the proper, proper Kavana, even though it's harder, to a certain degree, it's... Um, it's actually more fulfilling even for the neshama itself, and that's what we saw. That's what we saw last time, and then I started saying something uh, a little bit on the side, which is that there's a, there's a tradition from the Rishonim. As I mentioned, that from the Rishonim, that when Rabbi Tam was having a difficult sugya, when he was having a difficulty with a particular sugya, he would look at coins, look at gold coins, and like you know, uh, give himself some rachavas adas because of that, and then the sugya would go would go clear. So that's similar to what we're talking about. It's like. Why is Rabbi Tam having a difficult time in the sogi? Because there's a kitrick against him, right? Or that's one side of it. Or because his neshama is not fully, his neshama is not fully um, focused on the sogi. So, so to get rid of both problems, you play with you know you play with coins. You get yourself in a in a little bit more gashmias. And so because of that, the kit there's no kitrick against Rabbi Tam. Because the Sitcher says, oh, he's, he's going to figure out a Sugin Shas while he's playing with coins. Forget it. Right? So now he's undercover. Not only is he undercover, but now the body is able to, is engaged in, in, in this experience of playing with money. And obviously, Rabbeinu Tam is still Rabbeinu Tam. So when he's playing with the money and, he ha- and he's having some pleasure in, in counting his money, he's, he's, he's having Kavana. You know, he, the Neshama is driving that. And so the Mela now, now his entire neshama is able to experience it because it's not being held back by the by the disengagement of the body. And so the Mela, the sukkah becomes a little bit better. Now that's what I said last time. Uh, and what I what I added was so why dafka money though? Rabbeinu could have picked uh, other things too. Why dafka money? So this is what I what I what I explained is that the way the the Rabbanu Shalom, you know. <clears throat> when we go through life, it feels like our neshamas are, are, are complete, like we're good, like, like we're good to go. We're, we're healthy, well-adjusted, normal people, and we're just going through life, and, you know, we have nesiyonis and so on. But th- that's not really the way to think of it. The Rabbana Shalom, our neshamas are very, very complicated, and our neshamas are made of trillions of pieces. And for the most part, the parts of who, the, 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 our neshamas are a complete disarray. <laughs> that's for the most part. There are, are, there's enough of our neshama that's put together in order for us to function. But every nesayin that we go through is really just meeting another part of ourselves that's in disorder. That's, that's still under the, the, the um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the complete chaos that came from the Yitzhadas Taivarah. Right? So because of that, I very that's So all neshamas became all mixed up and movable and completely, you know, mixed up with with ra and uh, all disorder. And then what happens is so so the Rebbeinu Shalom puts every everyone's neshama a little bit together, just enough to allow you to function in the world. 
But then you go through life, experience, one experience, another experience, one day after another, and so on, and you have Nisayan, 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 temptation, this Indian, this Indian. Those are all just, just, it's just, really what's happening is, is that you're just meeting another part of your Neshama. That's an old, that's in disarray. That's all mixed up between good and evil. That's all confused. And that's why Nisayan is so difficult, because there's a part of you that's, you're meeting yourself. You know what I'm saying? There's a, it's you that's, that, that you're meeting that's in a dysfunctional state. And so, when a person's Oymibinisayan, and you do the right thing, and you, you have Yishavadas and so on, then what you're doing is not just overcoming that experience, you are rectifying that part of you that you just met. And your Nisham is growing, you're becoming bigger, and you become, that's what it means, that as a person's whole lifetime, there has a, how does Rabbanu Shalom know how long a person should live? I mean, he has his Cheshbainas, right, obviously. But it means that, based on how, a person, how long a person lives, it means every moment in time you're experiencing, you're, you're meeting another part of yourself. So how much pieces are there of you? So only God knows. But that's exactly the amount of time that a person has in the world. Of how, many, how many sparks, how many pieces of your neshama are scattered and are just completely mixed up between good and evil. That's what it is. And now we know that Yisrael Varais of that the Torah is also a reflection of us. Right? Every single Jew is a letter of Torah. Which means that just as the neshama is in disarray, right? Neshama is in disarray. And there's, in your, you, and there's just enough of you put together in order for you to be functional right now. But the vast majority of who you are is, 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 in, is in fragments and mixed up between good and evil and so on. And that's what you're going through life trying to, to fix yourself, trying to absorb yourself and try to realign yourself. So, so too that parallels itself with Tyra. So everyone has their chelik and Tyra, right? So it means that when you come into the world, it means there's enough of your chelik and Tyra that's been organized, that's been put together. And when you go through life, just like, you, just like there's, there's, there's pieces of you that in disarray, there are pieces of your Tyra that's in disarray. And when a person is learning something and they have a kasha and what they're learning, either it's a kasha or they don't understand it, they have some difficulty in the learning that they're experiencing that's also not <coughs> random. Like, why is it that this guy is struggling with this Mishnah and this person understands the Mishnah? Why is this person drawn to this Mesachta and this person is drawn to another Mesachta? It's because our, the Torah that you learn is a reflection of you. It's a piece of you. It's an extent. It's a parallel. It, it's, it's sort of the, the Torah universe of you. And so the, the, the Gemara that you learn, the Mishnah, the Pasuk, whatever the case may be, that you meet up with and you have kashas on it, that's just a reflection of a part of you that's in disarray. And so when you put the sugya together, what you're doing is putting yourself together. That's really what you're doing. That's in the language of the reason he talks about this. So when a person has a kash and learning, what it is is really klipis and tuma and ra that's mixed up in, in yourself, that's mixed up in the parts of your neshama that, you're, that this piece of Torah is, is connected to. And so when you answer the kasha, you're not just I'm answering a kasha. You're, you're rectifying yourself. You're, you're separating from this part of you that's, that you just met in this manifest in this particular sugya. What you're doing is by answering those kashas is that you're sifting through yourself and you're separating, you're getting rid of all the negativity that came into that part of who you are from the Yitzhadas Tevara. And now you've rectified yourself and now you're bigger, now you're growing. You know? that's, such a, that's why, by the way, the Tanya, it's a famous sheet of the Baal Tanya, Shulchan Acharav, that a person... Is a, he's very machmer. It's from Chazal, but he's very, very machmer with this that a person has to remember their learning. It's everything you can to try to remember your learning, not to forget your learning. Okay, why, why is that so important? Some Achronim say that nowadays that concept of remembering your learning is not as important because everything's written down now. 
So okay, so you forget it's Nishkeferlach. Back in the day, when everything was oral, so you understand you have to remember things, because if you, if you don't remember, then it's finished, right? But if it's written down, it's Nishkeferlach. So but the, but the, the, the Tani is very machm like that. And one of the reasons in Pneumius is because a tar, it's a piece of you. It's a piece of you. So, and, and one of the ways to, to, ref, to, to show that, or that, that that reflects itself in that the Torah that you learn is you, is the fact that you remember it, right? Because you don't forget you, right? So if, if the Torah is something outside of you, okay, so you can remember, you can forget it, but if it's just another extension of you, and it's a, it's a rectified piece of you, then, then Avada, you remember that, just like you remember your own name. Okay, fine. So you have a piece of you that you, when you, that you meet, there's a piece of you that's all, that piece of us that's, that's all in disarray, and that parallels itself in the sugya that you learn, which is also in disarray. Now what's interesting is, is that the Svarim tell us there's also another dimension of our experience that also is reflective of those parts of ourselves which are in disarray, and that's a person's money, a person's money. Uh, the, the, everything a person owns is also an extension of who they are. Right? It's also Bashkachar Pratis. Why, why do you own this pencil or this pen or that house and this car? Why do you have this wife and those kids? Everything a person, not to, not to, you understand, not to equate you know, property with family, but to a certain degree, it's, it's a similar parsha, which is that the nechasim the, the, the of a person, the, the rishus, is an extension of who you are. And, and a person's neshama, the part, the, the, and, and your neshama is expansive. Your neshama is bigger than just what's in your body. And your neshama encompasses and enlivens everything you own. So for the most part, the things that you own have been already rectified, right? In other words, the part of yourself that's still in disarray might be the things, the property that you have yet to buy, right? I mean, things that Rabbi Nishal knows that in 10 years from now, you're going to be able, you're going to buy this particular uh, piece of property. So why haven't you bought it yet? If it's, if it's going to be bought by you, it means it's part of your neshama, no? so what's, what's, what's holding it up? The answer is, it, it, it's a part of your neshama that hasn't been rectified yet. It's still in disarray. It's, you know what I mean? So therefore, therefore, you haven't bought it yet. Now, so therefore, generally speaking, anything that you own already, it means it's already rectified. <coughs> Except for one thing. There is one thing that a person owns that's still, that's still connected to the rest of you that's in disarray, and that's a person's money. What do I mean? The money that you own gives you the potential to buy things that you don't yet own, right? That's what money's for, right? There are things that I own already, thus is thus. And then there's the money, the cash that I have, right? Which gives me, which, get, which connects me, potentially, to everything that I don't own yet. Now, things that I don't own yet are in disarray. Things that I own have been rectified. The money that bridges those two things, right? The money that I have that allows me the potential to buy new things means that the money represents my connection to those parts of myself that are in disarray. And so the bridge between my chaotic self and my, harm, my harmonious self is my moment. And so, therefore, the sugya that you meet that is in disarray, that's all disjointed, that's falling apart, that's full of kashas, which means the part of you that's not yet rectified, the way to, you know, what you have to do is obviously rectify it, and, and what you want to do is to sort of connect those parts of yourself that's in disarray to the part of yourself that's harmonious. You build on your strength, right? So there's a part of you that's been rectified, the part of you that's stable, and then there's a part of you that's completely unstable. And so what you want to do is expand the territory of your stable self to go beyond and to go to, to, to encompass 
parts of yourself that are unstable, right? You want to be masaking yourself. Money is connected to that. Money's the bridge. Money's the bridge, right? Because the money is the part of you that you own, but it's also connected to the part of you that, that you don't own yet, right? And so money is reflective of your effort, your effort to fix yourself. And that's why I mentioned last time that Goyim always, historically, always uh, wanted Jewish money, right? They've always claimed Jewish money. They've always, uh, they've always uh, claimed that Jews have too much money. Why is money so disturbing to them? Why is Jewish money so disturbing? The answer is because Jewish money represents our ability to expand the territory of Tikkun, right? Things that are already fixed, okay, they're already fixed. It's, uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing the other side can do about that. Things that are in, that are in chaos, the Sitcher loves. What, what the Sitcher does not like is the ability of bridging those two, those two worlds, of taking the world that's harmonious, right, reflective of things that you own, and expanding that to more territory. The things that you don't own, you should be able to own, which is through money, that bridge to, to, to expand the territory of, 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 the, of the harmonious part of who you are, which is through your money, that's something that the Sitrachra does not like, because that means the potential of, their, of, of, of everything being, being put back together. And so that's why they have an issue with, uh, with Jewish money. <clears throat> Al Kapon, going back, Sir Rabbi Natam is, is involved in a sugya, and he's trying to put it together, right? He's trying to put it together. He's trying to put together himself. He's trying to, to expand the territory of his, of his harmonious self to encompass even his chaotic self. The bridge between that, 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 that space and the ability to move forward and to expand the territory of harmony to encompass even that which is in chaos is money, is Jewish money. So Rabbi Tam is, is misanik. He's makasher himself to his money, and by doing so, he has the strength to uh, to uh, answer the kashas and the sugin to put himself together. But that's basically who we are. There's a part of us that's put together, part of us not yet, and our avayda is to sort of, and there's that in-between, that, there's that in-between, and our avayda is to use that bridge of in-between to expand the territory of, of harmony. Okay, that was completely on a, on a tangent, but tomorrow we'll get back into the Iker context. But I guess part of the, uh, the, the, the things that we can take away from these types of svaras, these types of yanam, even if we don't fully understand them, is uh, yeah, there's more to life than uh, what our eyes can see. And the Rabbana Shalom Fir Tadal. All right. It's a practical way of connecting Torah and Torah. It's a practical way of connecting Torah. It's a practical way of connecting Torah.